0: And uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, them, uh, uh, what crowns we will receive, and uh, how we receive those crowns. And really, uh, really why I'm talking about this is, uh, of course, with, uh, with with Andrew had been discussing this lesson or discussing this topic with someone and talking about this idea of, of people can receive multiple crowns in this, or, or multiple, multiple rewards, and the rewards were really just dependent on the faithfulness of the individual. So a person can become a uh, Christian, they can be saved, but uh, they can I guess they can have different levels of faithfulness and still get into heaven, and they, would still, they could receive one of these crowns, they could receive multiple crowns, they could receive all of these crowns. And so there's different; these different crowns are dependent on uh, the different levels of faithfulness. What these people are doing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and we're also going to talk about these, just in general, uh, these different crowns and what they are. And uh, really, in regards to this this idea, and really. Uh, I think really why this this teaching has come up is is a way to justify people living in sin, and, and really to justify the idea of once saved always saved, in which someone can continue to live in sin and yet still uh, still become or, or still uh, enter into heaven. And I was thinking about this verse in Romans one verse twenty two says, professing to be wise, they became fools. And y'all probably are familiar with the context here: it was these people that they could know. God through the things that they've seen, the things that they can observe, and because of these people's ungratefulness and, and pride as well, that if you read through that chapter, they could they could see or through nature that uh, God is the creator, and yet they start worshiping these idols. They start doing these unnatural things, and so they they they. The, those th- those the things of God are known to them, but then because of their ungratefulness and pride, they just do these things that are ridiculous and don't make sense. So you could see that there is there has to be a creator through nature, and then they start worshiping the nature, worshiping the creature rather than or the creation rather than the creator, and you can kind of see how that just at least in my mind that just seems kind of silly, and. The reason I bring this up is in in the same context, and really when you talk about many types of false teachings and and false doctrines, is we have these clear statements in Scripture, okay? And for these false doctrines to ignore or to to reinterpret these uh, very clear statements, usually what's done is they use these harder Scriptures that's kind of, well, at least for me, much more difficult to interpret it. And frankly, probably some things I just really don't know what's going on. And they use these verses to interpret or to change uh, these plain statements. And as we go on to in this lesson, I think for us to really understand what these crowns are and how we get, get those crowns, we have to rely on these plain statements to interpret uh, seemingly the, the, the more difficult ones. And, uh, of course, you can think about different teachings. I was, I was thinking about one uh, last few days that I keep up with, and it's it seemingly like you have to, to, to ignore plain statements that you have to uh, really just just destroy, uh, just really have to go, go to bizarre links and, 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 and use different scriptures to try to reinterpret these plain statements. And it just it just, is it's mind-boggling. And in many ways, these people that claim to be smart, that claim to be intellectuals, by doing these things, they become fools by ignoring uh, the obvious. But going on with the lesson, different crowns are spoken of in the, in the New Testament. And, uh, and really, and I already mentioned this, is these different crowns are used to justify that people can still live in sin and still go to heaven. So I can receive the crown of life, but not the crown of glory, or I can... Receive uh, the imperishable crown that we'll talk about later, but not receive the crown of glory. So on and so on and so forth, and that's really what what we're talking about. And and again, these crowns, what I'm talking about, are these crowns of life, crown of glory that's talked about in the New Testament. Now, what is a crown? This is a definition. And uh, really what we really want to pay attention to this this last is, you know, a badge of royalty, a prize in in public games or a symbol of honor generally. And uh, so you think about a crown that a king wears uh, or a crown or or some type of uh, or maybe like a medal uh, that uh, some some, uh, athlete wins. Now, that this is a badge of honor that this is saying that this king's wearing this crown this is depicting this is showing this is who, this is who he is this is what he's about he's in charge we can see that crown and this is and this is we can tell a little bit about him but also we see that it's like a it's a prize or benefit that one receives it because they have this crown they have this power to rule you think about it, there's you think about throughout history, and even you kind of see this in, in many movies as well. Is what when people have that crown, all of a sudden the people that may, they may be enemies, but when they but when that person receives that crown, they are in charge. That uh, they have total authority over these people, and so you kind of see uh, what we're talking about in this idea of a crown. Now, throughout the scriptures, we see. Literal crowns, so like what a king would wear. But also we see what what I would describe as figurative crowns. And we see a, an example of a literal crown. when we, So, for example, First Chronicles 20. And many times when you're talking about kings is that we see this literal crown. Then David took the king's crown from his head and found it to weigh a talent of gold, and there were precious stones in it. And it was set on David's head, and also he brought the smallest city in great abundance. So we see this is obviously... An actual crown uh, that uh, David had, and but we also see these figurative crowns. In Psalm sixty-five verse eleven, it says, "You crown." Talking about God, it says, "You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance." So He crowns the year with His goodness, and so we can kind of understand what this idea of a crowning, crowning the year with Your goodness, means—that the year receives. Uh, His goodness, that uh, that the that the year, the time, nature, every day we receive uh, God's goodness. Uh, The world receives God God's goodness, and so we can kind of see that this is this idea of them receiving some type of reward and using the word crown to describe that. In Proverbs chapter sixteen and verse thirty-one says, "The silver-haired head is a crown of glory, if it is found in the way of righteousness." So you think about uh, older people, the silver hair. If it is found in the way of righteousness, that this is a crown of glory. So the the knowledge, the experience, the endurance uh, that one uh, that one uh, that one is shown or received throughout time, as they are uh, as they are continuing in this way of righteousness, that it is a crown of glory. So, of course. Uh, they receive glory from God, but even from those around them, that those that, uh, you know, that they're, if they're wanting to do what's right, they're going to be looking to those that are, that are older, that are more mature, that, have, that, have, had, that know the way of righteousness and have followed it for some time. So, again, we see examples in the scriptures in which crowns are not always spoken of in a literal sense. It's, it's, it's used to depict a reward or benefit uh, that someone uh, receives. Now, when we're going into this, this topic of these, the crowns that a Christian receives, I believe that when we talk about the crown of life, crown of glory, these are figurative crowns. These are, this, is a, it's, this is used to describe a reward that a Christian receives. But if they are literal, I don't really have a problem if they actually are literal, literal crowns that we, have, that we receive. But the one thing that we do know about these is, again, these are rewards, benefits that a Christian receives. We do know that. And so I don't think we, that we're, it's necessary to spend a lot of time thinking about, well, am I going to receive all these crowns in heaven or not? Or if it's just if, or am I just going to receive glory, honor, and life instead of receiving these literal crowns? I don't think that's, uh, I, just, I just don't spend a whole lot of time Thinking about that, but we do know some things, and, 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 and what uh, we do know what uh, those crowns, at least in some aspect, entails. Now, there's several types of crowns spoken of in the New Testament, and one of those that we're probably most familiar with is the crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So, God is going, or Christ is going to give them the crown of life. But notice, this is the church of Smyrna, okay? And so He says, "Do not fear any things that you are about to suffer." So you're about to suffer. The devil is going to throw some of you into prison, and you're going to be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. And so. So these people they're going to be going they're going to be suffering these things because of their faith. And really what we see here is Jesus is saying you don't deny your faith. You keep doing what you've been doing. You don't you don't you don't you don't deny me. You don't you don't stop doing what you've been doing. You continue to be faithful to me. And we can really see what faithfulness looks like in this aspect. You don't you don't you don't just you don't uh, just hide your faith. You, you, still, uh, you still are, are, are showing that you're a Christian. They could tell by your actions that you're a Christian. They can tell by who you're gathering with that you are a Christian. And you are to maintain that faithfulness. And if you maintain that faithfulness, he says, I'm going to give you the crown of life. Uh, we just talked, well, we've just seen it on the beginning slide, James chapter 1 and verse 12, that blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, the one that will receive the crown of life is, the, is, is promised to those who love him. So those that love him are going to receive the crown of life. But also the man who endures temptation. So he's going to bless the man who endures temptation. And when he is approved, he's going to receive that crown of life as well. So the crown of life we see is conditional on faithfulness. We also see it's conditional on enduring temptation and loving God. Of course, we think about what does it mean to love God. There's various passages that talk about uh, what does it mean to love God. Of course, it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that there's obedience to his commandments as well. That's what the love of God looks like. And in Revelation 3 and verse 11, This is uh, Jesus is talking to the church of Philadelphia here. And it's not necessarily mentioned, but I, I think especially what we see in Revelation chapter 2, that this crown that's spoken of is this crown of life. But in Revelation 3 and verse 11, it says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. And I was reading this last night, and it's, and it's interesting that just like we are saved and then we await for salvation that we have it now but also we're waiting for the salvation here it seems as though the church there they have a crown they have this crown of life and and so we see in revelation 2 that if you are faithful he was going to give you the crown of life but also you have this crown as well you already have presently this crown and if if you hold fast if they were to hold fast that they were going to have that crown, but if they, didn't, if they did not hold fast, they were not remaining faithful, this crown is going to be taken from them. So again, there's this, there's this same aspect with salvation that you have it, but also you await for this coming salvation. You have a crown also, but you're also going to receive this crown at a later point. Now, again, I think we need to make uh, clear here that th- that crown could be taken if they did not hold fast. So we see the same trend here. Uh, you're remaining faithful You're uh, enduring temptation You're, you're just being obedient to God And holding fast to what you have Regardless of what's happening in the, in the world We also see an imperishable crown 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25 It says And everyone who competes for the prize Is temperate in all things Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown But we for an imperishable crown And so here again, this crown that does not does not fade away. Those that receive this imperishable crown are those that are temperate in all things. We'll talk about this a little bit later on. But this idea of temperance is self control. So those that are willing to control themselves, they you think about denying yourself certain pleasures of this world. That if you do those things, you're going to receive. That imperishable crown. We also see a crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight says, "Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing." So, those so there's laid up for me the crown of righteous, righteousness. So this is this is going to be given to Paul. He's confident he's going to receive this notice again that Paul he has just a, a few verses above he's saying that he he has kept the faith and not maintaining his faith he has kept the faith so there's a difference between having faith and, and keeping the faith he's keeping that doctrine he's keeping uh, that, that 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 belief that belief in Christ but also the doctrines of Christ as well so he's kept he's keeping the faith But also, this crown of righteousness is not only going to be given to him, but also those who have loved his appearance. And the King James renders that as "those who love his appearance" in in like a presence tense. And I've kind of looked, and I was wondering what what, exactly what what he's talking about is this his appearance beforehand, this appearance? uh, Are you talking about his second coming here? And I'm not quite, quite sure, but it just seems like to me, when we look at the context here we see in chapter three as, as well, that it seems as though this this may be talking about his second coming, the second appearing, that they loved his appearing. But I'm not quite sure. I think we still get to the same point as what that means as far as loving his appearing, love his, his appearing. Uh, we think about First Thessalonians chapter five verse eight. Those that are awaiting Christ's second coming, that they are to be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for him, uh, the hope of salvation. Again, this idea of being sober, being uh, having control or, over self. Second Peter chapter three and verse eleven, again talking about awaiting Christ's return, and he says, since all these things will be dissolved, talking about the earth, all these things are going to be burned up. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And so you're waiting for his appearance. What you ought to you ought to be paying attention to what you're what you're doing. You better be careful of what you're doing and how you conduct yourself. And you ought to be conducting yourself with holy conduct and godliness. And even if this uh, appearing is talking about loving his appearance first off of him uh, appearing uh, to uh, to sacrifice himself for our sins, I still think you still get to the same point that, that those same people. Are going to be conducting themselves in in holiness and godliness as well. We see a crown of rejoicing, and this is the one crown. I don't really think this is this is this crown is in the same aspect as a crown of life or a imperishable crown or a crown of righteousness. But I just thought that I would I would I would throw this up here, and just to kind of be thorough of these different crowns spoken of. First Thessalonians chapter two and verse nineteen it says, "For what is our hope, or joy, or, joy or crown of rejoicing, is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as His coming." Uh, think another version says it's a crown of uh, gl- glorying, I believe, but it's a rejoicing glorying, and it's you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming. And seemingly, at least, at least the way I understand this verse is. That those that have been converted by Paul, those that you know, the, the ones that Paul has been uh, involved with, he has helped them, he has, he has shown them uh, the way, and he has continued to to help them. That those people cause him much joy, and so this is his crown of rejoicing, and that those they're going to be in the presence of our Lord in Jesus Christ at His coming. So they're going to cause him. Much joy, and as we go on through this, and we talk about these different crowns, these just remember uh, what these crowns are, what what who receives those crowns, and how we receive those crowns as well, and we need to pay close attention uh, to that as well. And I just think about with Paul and that that his joy that he has for those that are been that has been converted, and and the the and you know we see what Paul that he yearns to be with those. Uh, that have, that are Christians as well, and just you know, think about that. Think about how we interact with Christians as well, and uh, you know, we those are the people that we should want to be around. Those are the ones that we should be uh, deeply caring for and concerned about, as we see is, is is the case with Paul. We see a crown of glory in First Peter chapter five and verse four, and. This is in specifically in the context of elders. So Peter's writing to elders and he says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And a few verses up, the command here is for the elders to be shepherding the flock. And that they are going to be examples to, to them as well. And so again, this crown of glory is given to those elders that are shepherds. And examples to the flock as well. It's not just that they, you know, they just fill this office. But they, they are actually doing the work of an elder as well. So they're shepherds and they're examples to the flock in, 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 in that way. Now, we looked at those different crowns. And, and we kind of talked about the crown of life, what it means to be faithful to him and this imperishable crown. But I want to talk briefly about specifically the, the crown of glory uh, in, in Romans chapter 2 in verse 7. I just, I just think, I was telling Andrew, I, I just think that this, this idea that a person, a, a faithful Christian only receives one crown or, or just a few and not all of these crowns. I think this verse just kind of just destroys all, all, all of that, all that nonsense. And Paul says, "Internal life to those who, by patient continuance and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality." And this verse, uh, it, it, you know, it's, there's there's so much there that you can unpack, and it's just, I think it's a problem for so many doctrines today, and that uh, in, in, in in what the implications of that verse is. But notice what what he says, that those that seek eternal or those that are going to get eternal life they by patience continuance they do good but also they're seeking for glory honor and immortality And then think about the different crowns that we just talked about we talked about this crown of uh, the imperishable crown we talked about the crown of glory and so they're seeking for glory honor and immortality so they receive our eternal life now it just seems apparent to me that those that seek that so they're seeking for glory that they're going to get that and it seems as though glory, honor, and immortality is intertwined with this idea of immortality. They're going to when they when they receive eternal life, obviously they're going to get immortality, but also they're going to receive glory and honor as well. Now the reason I, I say that, and when we think about this definition of crowns that we talked about at the beginning of the lesson, that this is really like a reward or a prize, does it make sense that those those who seek immortality, they receive glory. So they're going to receive glory from God, but they may not receive the crown of glory. It just it just seems, and it seems so apparent, that those that receive eternal life, those that receive glory, they get that crown of glory. And so they're receiving the glory as a reward from God, and so this crown of glory is going to be a reward from God. They're going to receive glory. And it just seems like what, what we're seeing here. Is Peter and and Paul as well when they talk about these crowns that they're des- they're describing what God is going to give them uh, at you know when you know at, when they die when they receive uh, this eternal life this seemingly is what what is what is being told here and so again they're going to receive it so it seems evidence that this crown of glory is going to be given to all. Uh, that receive eternal life. And those, again, those that get eternal life are those who do all of these things as well. And they're, they're, they're doing good. They're also seeking for these things as well. Now, the imperishable crown, it belongs to those who are temperate in all things. And, of course, when you look at the definition of temperate, it means self-control. So they're going to be controlling themselves. And, and uh, we think about Galatians chapter 5 and verses, verse 22 and 23. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And so, if one does not exercise this, or obviously not showing the fruit of the Spirit... And I don't think they could say that they're walking in the spirit if they're if they're not showing all these they're not showing these aspects not even attempting to 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 uh, gain uh, these fruits or to show these fruits. We can't say that they're walking in the spirit. And so if they're not walking in the spirit, by default they're walking in the flesh. You're either walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. There's no in between here. So if you're not conducting yourself, or you're not controlling self, you're not tempered in all things. Well, you have to ask yourself the question: What are you following? Are you following the spirit, or are you walking in the flesh? And if you're not controlling self, you're, you're, I mean, it seems pretty obvious that you're going to be walking in the flesh, and you're not being guided by the spirit as well. And so, uh, you know, who is your master? Is it your flesh? Is it sin? Or is it going to be God? And so I don't think we can we can get to the point where we can say that uh, you know some Christians don't have to control self. It seems pretty clear that this is a necessity that everyone puts on all of those fruits of the spirit. And uh, again, just just the idea that a Christian can just receive one or a few of these crowns is not found in the scriptures. We don't see a scripture that says. Uh, this person may receive the crown of life but not the crown of glory or this person may receive the crown of glory and not the crown of righteousness we don't see that but we do find scriptures that indicate that a Christian is going to receive all those crowns because they're intertwined all Christians are told to be faithful they're told to be temperate they're told to you know they they're told uh, to seek for glory honor and immortality and in, in patient continu- continuance in doing good so it seems as though all those crowns are Wrapped up together, that you can't have one without having all of them. And so we see that the Christian receives all of those crowns uh, that have been previously listed. Now, another aspect, and kind of going back to the, the very first slide that I have about ignoring or, or, or trying to uh, 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 use harder or maybe more vague scriptures to just kind of render other scriptures meaningless that we have scriptures that plainly state that everyone who is a faithful Christian is going to receive uh, the same reward. And if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. This is the parable of the vineyard. And one thing that I, that I always think about in this lesson, we got a lot of, we got a lot of problems going along in, in the nation today. And one of the things that has, has, has been talked about is equality and equity. And, of course, I'm ignorant, and I thought I thought for the longest time that equality and equity is the same thing. But they're not really the same thing. And that equality, so, for example, we talking about equal opportunity. That, uh, say, for example, everybody can go to college. Okay, that's equal opportunity. Okay? But equity would be everybody goes to college and everybody gets the same GPA. Okay? Of course, uh I hope we're not equitable in our in our education because everybody receiving an A is not going to be not going to work out too well. But what we do see in salvation is that there is there's there's equality and there's also equity in salvation and we see that in, in Matthew chapter 20. And what I mean by that is everyone who is faithful receives the same reward matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16 says for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day he sent them into his vineyard and went out about the third hour so others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them you also go out into the vineyard and whatever is right i will give you so they went Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? He said to him, Because no one hired us, he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will, re- will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first, and when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowners, saying, "These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day." But he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius?" Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to you this last man the same as to you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? To the last will be first and the first last, for many are called but few chosen. So we see that first verse, for the kingdom of heaven is like. So when we see those words, we probably need to be paying close attention to what Jesus is saying here. And those that worked all day received the same pay as those that worked just a little that they they came in at the, the 11th hour started started working so they didn't they didn't do a whole lot the 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 you know, the problem is is that they all worked and it didn't matter how long they worked they still received the same pay and so this is kind of when we talk about salvation this is the same aspect that we see in in the new covenant in regards to salvation it doesn't matter if you've been faithful for seventy-five years. It doesn't matter if you've been faithful for an hour. What it matters is whether or not you were faithful when you died. And if you are faithful when you died, you're go- you're going to receive that reward. You're going to receive eternal life. Doesn't matter whether you've lived the life of sin for most of your life and you you were you were just a Christian for a short time. You're still going to receive the same reward uh, regardless of what that is. And if we see. Now, the scriptures like in Ezekiel talked about, you know, it doesn't matter if you were fake for a long, for a long period of time and, you, and, you, and then you turn back to sin, you're going to be punished for that. But in the, in the exact opposite manner, if you were sinful for a long period of time, you started working righteousness, you're going to be accepted. And so this is kind of the same aspect we see in Matthew chapter 20 as well. And uh, you think about such scriptures like in Acts ten with Cornelius, those that work righteousness, is, all those is going to work righteousness is going to be accepted by Him. That that's the qualification. If you do that, and if you're doing that when you when you die, you're going to be accepted. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing that. It's not a period of how much you have done, but what you are doing right now. Now. Going back to this problem with these different crowns, the, the real issue here and, and the real issue of, of people teaching that some are going to receive one crown or maybe receive more crowns based on our faithfulness, it's really used to justify people living in sin and still being able to go to heaven. And really what we see is this doctrine has unrepentant sinners going to heaven. The problem with that is the scriptures teach otherwise. For example, in first John chapter three and verse fifteen, it says whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I asked a fella, he's uh, I think he's a youth pastor in some Baptist church now, but I asked him about you know, what about uh, murders? You know, and he says, Well, I don't think they were really saved if they go do that. And I said, Wait a minute, say this person is a saved Say he's saved, he's truly saved, and he goes out and murders somebody. And he doesn't repent, and he dies. What's, where is he going to go? And he said he's going to go to heaven. And I showed him this verse, and it just completely, I mean, it, it, he, he's contradicting this clear scripture that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And we see John saying that, that per, the person who hates his brother is the same as a murderer. He is a murderer. So the person that is an actual murderer and the son, person that hates his brother they have no eternal life abiding in him. And it doesn't specify whether or not that person is a Christian or that person, uh, you know, that person believes in God. That doesn't enter into the question. He says no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Also, we see scriptures like uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. So, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, these people are not going to receive the kingdom of God. And the next verse talks about, uh, Paul says, such were some of you. So they were doing this, and the implication is when they became Christians, they stopped doing it. And you can't go back to those things and you can't continue and live in that manner because if you do you won't inherit the kingdom of God and so these clear scriptures just kind of just kind of destroy this idea that, that uh, people can continue to live in sin and still expect to have eternal life that's just simply not the case and we will be held accountable for every sin that we do the Second Corinthians 5, and verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one may receive the things done, the, in the, done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat, and we're all going to be judged according to what we have done. And I always like this phrase, that he's going to receive the things done in the body. So what I have done here and now, you know, people, people, another teaching is people separate the spirit and the flesh, and they say, well, even though I may do sinful things in the flesh, my spirit is cleansed because of Jesus. Well, that kind of this verse kind of throws a kink in that system as well, because you're going to be judged based on the things you do in the body. And so here, doesn't it, doesn't it, and and doesn't matter, uh, you know what you think about your spirit being cleansed. If you do uh, these sinful things in the body, you're committed sin, and you're going to be judged. Uh, based on that sin And so we're all going to be held accountable For that So I hope this has been useful for y'all i kind of Kind of went around Into different topics But again I think it's important for us That we look at these uh, different things That come up And uh, you know uh, you know, If somebody comes up and, and, and starts discussing Those things at least uh, have some knowledge And be able to counter those things Be able to show uh, truth to that individual and you know again uh, for all of us here we're all going to be held accountable for everything that we did and for us if, if we're you know if we're not a christian we're going to be held accountable but even if we are a christian and we, and we continue to live in sin we're still going to be judged on those things and we need uh, to make or make uh, ourselves right with god and so if 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 you want to become a christian or if you're a christian and you need Uh, The prayers of the saints If you uh, fell back in the sin Or you need help in any way you need to confess anything We offer this uh, invitation now And uh, will you come as we stand and as we sing